I'm encouraged um, just to see, I believe, to see some places of greater freedom that we are coming to as a church, just in our expression of worship before the Lord. And, and um, you know, it doesn't have to look the same. <laughs> we're, not, we're not all about just saying, this is how worship looks, and so you need to express yourself this way. But, but we just had this sense over, over the last couple of years, and we, I've talked about this before, but this sense that there's things in your heart that you love to express before the Lord, but, but you're just held back by fear. And there are some of you this morning who sense God's presence and, and want to just raise your hands in abandonment to Him. And it's in your hearts, but you're afraid to do it. And I want just to encourage you, just allow God to, to break through and pass that fear. And if that's in your heart, that God would just allow you to give expression to Him, you wouldn't care what people are thinking. And there would just be such a freedom in you as, as we come to places of worship before the Lord that you would express the way that is in your heart to express. And maybe it's been years and you've, you've just been held back by a fear. What are people going to think? And I just believe that, that you're going to just break through into new places of just being free to worship God, however that looks. It may be to sit down quietly and, and you're afraid to sit down because you think people aren't going to think I'm not worshiping, right? I mean, we have all these things that run through our mind. And church, let's just be free to worship God the way that is in our hearts. And... Um, and so this morning, if there's still places in you of expression to the Lord, you're afraid to just give, give expression to the Lord the way you desire, I just want to encourage you to be free in that and uh, be free in your worship. I uh, just want to ask if you turn to Joshua chapter 1. <clears throat> I said to someone this morning, I think my throat's completely back to normal, but not quite. We're getting there. I asked Pastor Kyle if he was going to sing for us today. He said, if I sang for you, you probably wouldn't give me the mic again. So, take your word for it. Joshua chapter 1. Before we get there, I I would love for us as a church to have a real culture of of being thankful, that we are a church that's thankful. And and so I want to begin every Sunday just to be intentional about that. And 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 out um, out in the foyer, there's an appreciation station. Have you seen it? It's just a white piece of board that we've tacked to the wall. And it's filling up. It's almost full, not quite. And uh, it's been there for maybe three months or so, three or four months. And I just want to encourage you at some point to stop and to read those. And if you haven't written something, uh, are you thankful for something about our church family? If you are, would you just write that down? And, And just let's practice being thankful as a church. And Pastor Kyle just took a moment to thank those who are investing into our children uh, but Glad Tidings Church, let's be a thankful church. And if you're thankful for something and it involves someone that you're thankful for, go to them after, after church today and just say, I'm so thankful for the way that, that perhaps you invest into my children or the way you've encouraged me or I'm just thankful for the example that you are to me. Whatever it might be, let's be a thankful church. And then Pastor Kyle already mentioned there's a new church in town as of this morning. Uh, well, at least they have a new name. Gateway Church, uh, our Empire Westland Church, they have, uh, today they're launching a new name. They have spent a lot of time just refreshing their church building. You should stop by sometime, it looks great. And we stopped by yesterday as a family. They had kind of a little fun fair and, and had a tour through their building. And, and I'm so encouraged for their church family that they have an excitement to continue to move ahead and reach the community for Jesus. And they, um, so they've changed their name to Gateway Church. So if you, uh, if you hear that name, you'll know who it is. Pastor Ian is going to be with us next uh, 
Friday night and Saturday. And so congratulate him on, um, on just uh, where they're going. And uh, I, I just want to actually stop and pray for them this morning as they just celebrate um, where God is taking them. Could we do that? Let's just uh, ask God to bless them. Special morning for them. So Lord, we thank you for Gateway Church. We thank you for that church family and for the, the way you're calling them to just continue to move forward. And I pray this morning, God, in the midst of their gathering, would you bless them with a special sense of your presence? Lord, would you just pour your blessing over that church family, that the excitement that's in their hearts would continue, their desire to serve you would grow, their fruitfulness would increase. And so we pray for Gateway Church family today, and we ask your special blessing over them, and we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen, amen. We are in our uh, second week of a series called Possibilities, and it's part of a broader theme this year. If you're visiting this morning or you haven't been here for a while, our theme this year is Transformed, and on your way out this morning, you'll see that banner over the, over the, uh, the doors of our church, the main doors, and we really feel this year that God is asking us to just uh, press into that thought, Transformed, and what does it mean for you to be transformed. What does a transformed life look like for you this year? What does transformation look like for you? And what does transformation look like for us as a church? And so as part of that, we decided to start in the book of Joshua because some of you, when you hear the word transformation, you very quickly other that word. In other words, yep, other people experience that. Other people have seen God do miraculous work in their lives, but that's not really for me. And I want us, church, to come back to that thought again. It is for you. Don't other that word. And so we're beginning in the, in the book of Joshua, and we're looking at how God did the impossible in, in the nation of Israel, how he called them to move forward. Because you and I need to be reminded again that God is the God of the impossible. And so with him, whatever transformation you need in your life, it's possible. And it's not just for the person beside you to experience the goodness of God. And some of you have just given up on a good report over your life. And I want to encourage you today that God would have you be reminded that he is able to do a work that is life transformational in you, internally, in you as a person, in the deep places of your life where you still struggle. God is a God that is about transformation. So don't other that word. And come back with us to this, this series that talks about the possibilities that there are in God. Last week we looked at um, the title of the message was, It's Time to Move. And it was simply this thought that God calls us to continue to move, and perhaps for you that was something very specific. And at the end of our time together, many of you came out of the aisle, and, and by stepping out of your aisle, by moving down to the front in response, you were saying to God, I'm ready to move, I'm ready to follow you, God. However that looks for me in this season, I'm ready to follow you. And if it's time to move, if it's time to leave some things behind in my life and move to new places in you, then I'm ready to do that. And many of you uh, symbolically stepped out of your seats and you moved to the front just saying, yes, I'm ready. So did you take some steps this week? Was there anything that God was nudging you to say, you know, here's the steps that you can begin to take to allow me to do my transformational work in your life? Did any of you walk down to the Jordan River and just stick your foot in this week? 
We talked about taking steps of faith where God said to those carrying the ark, he said, I want you to go and stand in the river, right? And the river was at flood stage and they knew that if they started to wade into that river, it was gonna sweep them away, they were gonna die. What they didn't know is as soon as they touched the water's edge, that God was gonna make a way for them. They could go and stand in the middle of that river because the river piled up, the water stopped. And so they just simply had to take a step of faith. They didn't know how they were gonna stand in the middle of that river. God knew, and so he said, go stand in the river. And so sometimes we need to take a step of faith, and as soon as we take that step, there's a way that opens up that wasn't there before. And so what step might God be asking you to take this week that will open up a new way for you to grow in him, that will open up a new way in your circumstance for him, that will open up the possibilities that there are in God? I I wonder if you would pray about that this week in your in your times with the Lord. And so this morning, my, the title of my message is The Difference Maker. The Difference Maker. Have you ever been in a situation where there's a gap in your life? And that gap is this. There's a gap between your ability and the circumstance that you are facing. Have you ever been there? And that gap is huge. I think we all face gaps like that at times. And our ability and the circumstance, there's... There's just no way that we can, we can uh, face what we need to face in our own ability, and we need a difference maker in our lives. We need something that's going to make up the difference of that gap that we find ourselves in. And so I was trying to think of some examples that would help us to kind of picture this. And so there's a picture, a few pictures I want to show you. It might be hard to see, but here's a man standing in front of this huge tree. It's probably, you know, 30 feet in diameter, and he's got this, this little... Uh, uh, not a shovel, what is it? Saw. He's got a handsaw in his hand. Imagine if, if, that was, if that was you and you were standing in front of this tree and you had to have that thing cut down in a day. Now, would there a gap, be a gap between your ability and what needed to be done? Yes, that gap would be huge. But imagine if your friend drove up with one of these. Now, what a difference that would make. Now, I'm not even sure if that's designed to cut down trees, but it would take it down pretty quick. Imagine that, where someone drives up in one of those things, and you're like, wow, what a difference. Man, this is going to happen, right? That gap is no longer there between my ability and what needs to, to be done. And, and at times in our lives, we need a difference maker. We need something that's going to tip the scales in, in the, in the uh, area of the need. Here's another example. Uh, imagine that we have had a snowstorm, and uh, they're coming, right? Once in a while, we get them here. Um, and that your driveway is piled with three feet of snow and you need to get to work, you're not going to get there on time, and there's that gap, right? You stand at the front of your driveway and you're thinking, man, I'm, I'm not going to make it to work, or I'm not going to make it to that appointment. I'm going to be late. My day is just going to be ruined. But your friend drives up with one of these. Yeah. Would that make a difference? Yes, it would. Chris, could you use that some mornings? Yes, you could. This is actually designed to clear runways. Uh, and so, so there's, there's this thought that I want to just begin to press into because it has to do with the passage of Scripture that we're looking at this morning, and that is that God is a difference maker. But first of all, let's look at that gap for a moment. You know, we fill that gap between our ability and our circumstance. We try to fill it with all kinds of things, don't we? Sometimes we try to fill it with our own ability. So, okay, I'm just going to muscle into this, and if I try my hardest... 
then, then that gap between my ability and my circumstance is going to be filled. And so we try to fill that gap with our own ability, our own striving, our own strength. You may try to fill that gap with your bank account. And that really, when it comes down to it, that's where your hope is, that, that problems can be solved with money. And so if that's, that's what I'm going to fill that gap with. There's, there's these, these, this gap in my life, and I think that somehow, if I have finances, that, that that's going to fill the gap in my life that is just so big right now. Sometimes we fill it, we try to fill that gap with friends. And I'm not saying friends are, are, are bad things. God's created us for relationship. But there are things that your friends cannot do for you. There are things that your friends cannot do for you because they have gaps in their lives. We all have gaps. And so this morning we come to the situation where the Israelites are facing uh, a gap in their, in their situation. They are facing uh, giants in a land that God had called them to take as their inheritance. And the gap for them was huge. They could not see any way to make it from the lack of their ability to what needed to be done. Listen, listen to how... Twelve men came back, and ten of them said this. This is how they described the gap. Numbers 13, 32. The land we explored devours those living in it. Man, if you're going to live in this land, you have to be extraordinary. All the people we saw there, the only people that survive in this land are people that are massive, right? So the people that we saw there are people of great size. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and then they project something onto these people. I doubt they went up to them and said, you know, how do we look to you? Oh, you look like a grasshopper. No, they're projecting their own image of themselves onto someone else. And so they, we, uh, we look the same to them, they're saying. That might not have been true. That night, all of the people of the community, the nation of Israel, raised their voices and wept aloud. Here we have a situation where there's a nation who God has said, I have an inheritance for you. I want you to begin to walk into it, and they begin to see this gap, and they think to themselves, they actually walk away from the the inheritance. They walk away from the good things that God wanted for their lives because they couldn't see past the gap. All they could see was their their inability. You know, they they were nomadic herders. They were not warriors, and so there was this natural fear about what God was asking them to do, but all they could see was the gap, and so here we have we have a nation. What was their response? They They go and they just begin to weep that night. They begin to weep. Why? Because there were 10 leaders that said to them, we're not going to enjoy our inheritance. They brought back the fruit. It was amazing. The the grapes were so big, the clusters, they they had to have two men carried on a pole. So there's all this goodness of God that they saw ahead of them. It's just over there. They could see it. But their leaders were saying to them, yeah, here's the goodness that, that we can taste right now. We've got a little bit of it, but we're not going to enjoy this. And the people were brokenhearted. They went and began to weep. And then they began to complain, if you read that a little bit further. And so Scripture says that there are these 10 men, these leaders that had been picked to, to look at the land, to give a report, and it says that they actually brought an evil report. They brought an evil report to the people. Here's leaders that are meant to lead toward God, and they're coming and saying, in essence, they're saying, God can't do it, right? All they could see was their own inability. They totally forgot that God is the one that is saying, I'm going to give you this inheritance. And so, so what they're saying, in essence, is God is not big enough. God is not big enough. And that's why Scripture says it was an evil report. 
It's a report that doubted God. It's a report that said, you know, God has brought us this far. He's delivered us from Egypt, but he's not big enough to bring us into our inheritance. He's not big enough, he's not big enough to help us to overcome the giants in the land and to enjoy the inheritance that he has said is ours to enjoy. God is not big enough for this. And it was an evil report. And the people began to weep. You know, there's something about that word evil as we find it in Scripture that has an aspect of defaming or of slander. I think this is so important because to slander someone means what? What does it mean to slander someone? It means this. It means to make a false and damaging statement about them. It means to make a false and damaging statement about them. So when Scripture says these 10 leaders gave an evil report, there's an aspect to that is that they were actually putting a false idea in the people's hearts about who God was. They were actually bringing a damaging report about the character of God. All they could see was themselves, but in essence, they were saying, God's not big enough. He's brought us this far, but those things are too big for him, and we're not going to get there. It was an evil report. There were two men that saw it differently, and that was Caleb and Joshua. And I love their perspective. You see, they didn't see a gap. Well, they saw a gap, but they saw the difference maker. They saw that God was going to stand in that gap, and he was going to be the one that made up the deficiency of their own inability and what they were called to. And it was God. He was the difference maker. And so they began to say to the people, listen to how they, they tried to encourage the people in Numbers 14, 6 to 9. Let's continue to unfold this scene a bit. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, they were the two that made up 12, they tore their clothes. You know, in that culture, the, most, uh, the, the strongest statement you could make about either your grief or about your sorrow was to, was to tear your clothing. And here are Joshua and Caleb in front of the nation of Israel, and they were making the strongest statement they know how to make. They're saying, this is wrong this, this evil report is wrong. And so they stand in front of the nation of Israel. They, they tear their clothes. They rend their clothes. And they go on and say this. They said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land that we passed through, they went to explore it, brought back a report. The land that we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. God will help us to take hold of the inheritance that he has for us. Only don't rebel. Don't rebel against the Lord. And don't be afraid of the people of the land because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. And here's Joshua and Caleb, two men who when they saw that gap, what they saw filling the gap was God. They saw that there was a difference maker they, they knew that there was, a, there was a difference maker that tipped the scales to their advantage, that God would do in them what he said he would do. And so they were saying, in essence, hang on a minute, you know, we can't do this on our own, but we've got a difference maker. We've got God on our side. God is calling us to this. What makes the difference in your life this morning? What makes the difference in your life in moments like this? 
What fills the gap between your own ability and the impossibility of your circumstance? I want to just uh, encourage you today that the difference maker is God and that when there is a glaring gap between our own ability and the giants that we face, the struggles that we face, the circumstances that we face, be reminded this morning that there is a difference maker in your life and it's God. The one who can do the impossible. The one who can do in your circumstance what nothing else can do. And you know, we need to be careful the voices that we are listening to. Be careful the voices that you are listening to. The voices you listen to must be voices that lead you to faith in God's ability. Can I say that again? The voices that you listen to, that you allow into your mind and into your life, they must be voices that lead you to faith in God's ability. Those are the voices you need to listen to. Because there will be all kinds of voices that say, God can't do that, that's impossible, that's not going to happen for you, it'll happen for everyone else but not for you. And so can I encourage you today, be careful the voices that you listen to. Surround yourself with voices that point you to God's ability, not to the circumstances impossibility. The giants in your life can be defeated. God is able. He is with you. The power of God is available in your life today. And so perhaps we need to challenge the unbelief in our hearts. Pastor Kyle spoke on this a number of weeks back, this idea of unbelief. And and challenge that when you come face to face with it. Surrender your reliance to your own strength and rely on God's strength. And so Joshua and Caleb knew that, that there was a difference maker in their lives. They never lost sight of that. And so we come to Joshua chapter 1 again. And here, here's the circumstance. So, so when Joshua and Caleb were trying to say to the people, listen, God is on our side. We know that there was 40 years of wandering in the desert. But we fast forward 40 years to our passage today. And, and here's the situation. The voices of the dissenters have all died, actually. That's actually what's happened. There are no more people saying that God can't do this because all of those voices have died in the wilderness over the course of those 40 years. And the tragedy is this, that there is an entire generation that did not step into the inheritance that God had for them because there were voices that they listened to that said God is not able. And here we find them again on on the cusp of stepping into their inheritance once again, but it's a whole new generation. It's a whole new generation. And yet I find it interesting that God still took the time to affirm Joshua in his role. And I think the reason is this, you know, why would God take time to do that? The voices that were were dissenting, the voices that said we can't or God can't, they they were gone, they were silenced. So why did God take time to affirm Joshua once again? And I think it's this, and we know this from our own experience. There may not be other voices from the outside telling you this is impossible, but there's often an inner voice, and that voice is our own. And often our own voice is the voice that we hear that says, this is not possible. God cannot do this. This is too big. This is too far gone. And I wonder if Joshua may have been struggling, not with external voices anymore, but with an inner voice that perhaps said, Joshua, you you can't do this. You can't lead these people as God had asked you to. And so this is what God says, and this is the main portion of our text this morning. 
I've taken some excerpts from Joshua chapter 1. I think it's on the screen for you. God says to Joshua, As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Says it again. Be very strong and courageous. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Only be strong and courageous. And God takes time to perhaps silence the inner voices that Joshua may have been struggling with. And he says to Joshua three times, he uses those two words, Joshua, be strong and be courageous. Be strong and be courageous. In fact, I'm commanding you, Joshua. This is not optional. Be strong and be courageous as you face the circumstance that is ahead of you. You know, God didn't say to Joshua, you know, get out there and face the challenge alone. Be strong and courageous, but you're on your own in this one. You know, this is not God giving Joshua a pep talk and then kind of kicking him out the door and saying, let me know how it goes. You can do it. God doesn't say be strong and courageous because, because you've got this, Joshua. I mean, I mean, Joshua, look at you. Your natural ability is so incredible. There's no way you can fail. Joshua, you the man. No. That's not what God was saying. He was saying, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Why? Because I am with you. That's the reason why Joshua could say, yes, I can be strong in this situation. I can actually even be courageous in this situation because God is with me and God says to him, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. There are battles ahead, but I won't fall back from the battle line, leaving you alone to face the enemy or to face the challenge alone. That is not God's nature and it's not God's promise for you in the challenges that you find yourself in in life. This is God's promise. I will be with you and that is what makes all the difference in your life and in my life. It's God. It's the difference maker. You know, there's this, as I was thinking about this, I, my mind kind of wandered back to this, this scene in Scripture that we find where there was a man who found himself all alone on a battle line and he ended up dying tragically that day. And it's such a tragic story, but it's something that God will never do. In this story, we find that David... David has committed adultery with Bathsheba and he's trying desperately to cover his sin up. He doesn't want anyone to know about it. And so in his plan, Bathsheba becomes pregnant. He he, um, gets the news. She comes to him and says, I'm pregnant, David. And David begins to devise a plan. How do I cover this up? And he realized that he needed somehow to get Uriah back from the battle and he needed Uriah to spend time with Bathsheba to be intimate with her so that everyone would think it was Uriah's child when Bathsheba gave birth. That didn't work. Uriah wouldn't go home. You see, when when men came home from battle, they would sleep in separate quarters because they were going back out for another battle for that season. And Uriah said, man, my men are sleeping by themselves. I'm not going to go cozy up with my wife tonight. I'm not going to leave my men. I mean, they're they're making a sacrifice here. Didn't work. And so this this is what David devised. In a letter... I'm going to read it for you. In a letter to Joab, the commander of the army, David wrote, 
Put Uriah on the front lines where the fighting is the fiercest. And then pull back and leave him exposed so that he's sure to be killed. Oh, my goodness. I can't imagine Uriah in that moment where he was, he was putting it on the line, right? <laughs> there was a battle that was to be won that day. There was an enemy who needed to be defeated. There was new territory to be won. And so he's fighting valiantly. He's in the fiercest part of the battle. This was the crucial moment. The enemy was throwing everything he could at the armies of Israel. And all of a sudden, Uriah finds himself alone. Absolutely alone. And his comrades, the men who had fought at his side in countless battles, suddenly he saw them disappearing. And Uriah finds himself alone against the enemy army. And his life ends that day. And sometimes when the battles that you and I are facing get intense, sometimes at the most crucial moments in our struggle, those you thought were your friends may fall back from the front lines. You know, it may not be intentionally. It may not be maliciously, but suddenly you find yourself facing the battle alone. Can I just say this to you today? That God will never do that to you. Never. Friends may fail you and let you down, but God is always with you. So here's the truth. The truth is this, that you are never alone. You are never alone. And so if you've been trying to fill that gap with friends and you've been putting all your hope in friends, turn your eyes to God because your friends can't do for you what God can do for you. They can be used by God in tremendous ways. But the truth is this, that you are never alone. I was thinking of that hymn. You probably know it well. Friends may fail me, foes assail me, but he, my Savior, makes me Who is it that makes you whole? It's the power of God at work in your life. It's Jesus. He'll never leave you on the front lines of battle alone. And there's a chorus that goes on to say, Hallelujah, what a Savior. Hallelujah, what a friend. Saving, helping, keeping, loving. He is with me to the end. He is the difference maker. He always has been and he always will be. Never, ever forget that in your journey. And so when Joshua came to this moment and God is affirming in him, listen, I'm going to be with you. Yeah, there's battles ahead. He could walk into those battles knowing that God was with him. That was his confidence. But, but there's a question that comes to mind And that is this, why is there such a battle when it's time to take new territory? You see, God God was saying, it's time to move. You're not going to wander in the desert anymore. There's an inheritance I have for you. But they knew there was going to be some giants in the land that needed to be defeated. And so the assumption was, when it's time to move, then there's going to be some battles. But God said, I'm going to be with you in those battles. Why is it in your life and in mine that when God says it's time to move, that there's a battle that often begins? Why is that? Why is it that when you begin to take steps of faith that often there's a battle that begins? It's it's because often that's part of what taking new territory is all about. That there are things in your life that need to be defeated. 
that have been there and maybe never dealt with. That there are things in your life that God will begin to bring uh, healing and wholeness to that, that you've never really allowed him to touch. And when you begin to step with steps of faith, the enemy begins to, to bring a battle. And why is it? It's because he doesn't want you walking in freedom and wholeness. You think the enemy wants you to step into your inheritance today? No, he doesn't. He wants you to stay wandering in the desert. And so there's a battle. And so God said, yes, there's going to be a battle, but I'll be with you. The other reason why the enemy doesn't want you walking in freedom and wholeness is, is this. It's because your freedom and wholeness empowers others to experience freedom and wholeness. You can bring a testimony to others of what God has done in your life to begin to encourage them to believe God for the same thing in their lives. Do you realize that someone's freedom and wholeness, God may use you to be a tool to bring them to a place of freedom in their lives. He may use you in their life to do that. And so here's the thought. The inheritance of healing and wholeness is never for us alone. This is not about, you know, inward focus and how can my life be the best that it can be and that's kind of, that's it. If I'm healthy and whole and I'm doing good, I'm good. It's as far as my vision goes. No. The inheritance that God has for you is never for you alone, never. And so in that way, you're just like Joshua. How are you just like Joshua? Joshua, God said to Joshua, you will lead these people to take up the inheritance that I have for them. And may I suggest to you that there's a calling on your life this morning to help others discover and walk in their freedom in the Lord. There is a call on your life this morning to help others discover and walk in their freedom in the Lord. There's a calling on your life to, uh, for others to find help and hope and healing in God. There's a calling on your life to help others to find freedom from the oppression that they walk in. And you know, this is God's calling on his church. This is God's mandate for the church. This is God's calling for our church. That God would use us to, to help others to find freedom in him. And this is God's calling on your life as well, every one of us. And so you are like Joshua in that regard. And you may say, God, I don't know how to do that. I'm not even completely free myself. Well, who of us are? Anyone here just done? God's, God's done everything he's going to do in your life? No. I'm not going to see any hands, right? No. There's a work in each of us that God is doing, and he's in the middle of doing it in each of us. None of us has arrived. But here's the key. Here's the key. Can I ask you this morning to commit to two things? Commit to allowing God to bring freedom to your life. First commitment. God... I will move with where you're taking me. That's my first responsibility. Your first responsibility is your obedience to God, is your obedience when he speaks to you to say yes. That's your first place of, of accountability and responsibility and privilege and blessing in God. So when God says to you it's time to move, I want you to trust me. We're gonna begin to move and grow. You just need to say yes. Have you made that commitment deep in your heart this morning? God, I will commit to allowing you to bring freedom to me in the areas of my life that need work. And then the second thing that we commit to is we commit to walking with others who need freedom in their lives. And those things happen simultaneously. If you think that it's all about waiting till every part of your life is just running perfectly smoothly, yeah, we'll see you in heaven because that's when that's gonna happen, Right? And so I believe God is calling us, when he, when, when he, if he's saying to us it's time to move, 
if he's saying to you it's time to move, just say yes and begin to follow him. And at the same time, be committed to helping others to find freedom in him as well. And along the way, battles will be won. Along the way, victory will come. Along the way, freedom will be a reality. It will. Because the difference maker is in our lives. And so the best way to help others to find freedom is to find freedom ourselves. The best way, if your heart is to help people to grow in places of freedom and healing and wholeness, you know the best way for that to happen is for you to find freedom yourself. It really is. And I just know (laughs) that God is speaking to us. That church, it's time to move. It's time to allow him to do some things in our lives that we've been resisting. Why? Because it's not all about us. It's because he wants Glad Tidings Church to be a place where people find freedom. And that means you and I being vulnerable enough with God, with our stuff, allowing him to begin to, to take that out of our lives so that we can be free to help others to find that same freedom in their lives. Are you willing to take that journey? Are you willing to stop making excuses and say, God, I'm, I'm done with the excuses. I'm done with trying to bury that part of my life. You're telling me it's time to move, and I'm going to follow you. I'm going to trust you. And as I find freedom, you will use me to help others to find freedom in their lives. That's, that's the church right there. As we begin to allow God to do his work in us, then we are called to go and to be part of what God wants to do in in other people's lives in exactly the same way that they would find freedom and healing and wholeness and hope. And so church, what, what a, an amazing place to be because we really felt last Sunday that God was saying that to us as a church. It's time to move. It's time to walk into some new places in the Lord. It's time to leave behind some things and begin to step into some territory that is God's inheritance for your life. And so would you say yes to that? And as you find freedom, you will help others to find freedom as well. I want to close with these two verses. And would you turn to Isaiah chapter 58 with me? Isaiah 58. It's okay. If you don't have your Bible, I'll read it for you. Isaiah 58. I've come back to these before. And and, and here's here's why I want to close with this. Because I believe that we need to come back to the, the question... Uh, as a church is, God, what does transformation look like for our church? If you're saying, yeah, it's time to move as a church, and I want to transform you, it starts with individuals, but also becomes a corporate thing as well. And I believe that, that these verses that we're about to read are part of the inheritance for Glad Tidings Church, not just for Glad Tidings, for every church, but that we need to believe God for this. We need to believe that this will be our identity as a church. In greater ways, it's happening, but in greater ways. And so, Um, Beside these verses, I have a date written, and it's 2007. I read that, I thought, man, that's 10 years ago. Oh, my word. It's a decade. (laughs) That's a long time. I'm going to begin at verse 12 of Isaiah 58. Your people, listen to this, your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called. This will be your identity. You will be known by this. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. And what God is saying in Isaiah chapter 58, he says, if, if you follow me with all of your heart, if you allow me to do what is in my heart to do for you in your walk with God as an individual, then this is the identity you're, you're going to begin to be known by. You're going to be known by someone who is a repairer of broken walls, that the rubble of people's lives 
will begin to be rebuilt brick by brick, and God will use you to do that in people's lives. That will become your identity. And I believe church, Glad Tidings Church, this is to be our identity as a church, that when we come with our brokenness and find healing, that whenever someone comes to be with us, that they experience healing because because we are repairer of broken walls. We are restorers of streets with dwellings. There's life that we begin to speak into other people's lives. Why? Because we've experienced it ourselves. And the second one is Isaiah 61 in verses 3 and 4. If you have it, would you turn there with me? Isaiah chapter 61, verses 3 and 4. Actually, I'm going to start from verse 1. Jesus read this as part of his mandate. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. That's why Jesus came. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the captives, to release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for all those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair or a spirit of heaviness. And so those first verses talk about what Jesus can do in our lives. He will bring freedom to your life. He will release you from darkness that you've been walking in. He will give you beauty instead of ashes. He will give you the oil of gladness instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness. And then what will happen? Well, this is what you'll look like. Then they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of God's splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. You can have an impact on someone who for generations in their family line has struggled with a lack of freedom in some area and you can see them set free as God begins to do his work in you. How's that sound? Do you want to be part of that vision? Do you want to be part of God's kingdom? That's how he works. Yes, I think we would all say yes. In church, I believe that is what we need to continue to press into, that we are called to be a people who come alongside and partner with what God is doing, that we are called to be a people who are rebuilding and restoring, and that out of the rubble of people's lives, God's plan for them begins to take shape, one brick at a time. And church, that is something worth fighting for. That is something worth facing our own stuff for. That is worth believing God for. And so I believe God is saying it's time to move and I'm the difference maker. It's time to take new ground and it's time to begin to see others find freedom in God as you begin to find freedom yourself. And so as we come to a close, I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to pray and respond this morning. Stephanie, would you come back? Would you do that? Whenever you see a gap between your ability and your circumstance, remember that God is the difference maker. And I believe that he's calling you and he's saying 
to every one of us, it's time to move. It's time to move forward in the Lord. It's time to continue to discover the inheritance that he has for us, which is wholeness and healing and hope and walking in the power of God in our lives, seeing impossible situations change. It's time to move. But he doesn't stop there. He says, I'm with you. And never forget that where God is taking you, that he is not leaving you to face those challenges alone. And the battles that you will face will have purpose because there will be territory that's gained when the victory comes. There's purpose to the battles that you're going to face. It's not pointless. But there's purpose. It's part of God taking you beyond where you are. It's part of God bringing you to greater places of freedom. And the enemy, make no mistake about it, he will resist. He does not want you to begin to walk in a greater place of freedom in your walk with God. Just know that. But know this, that the difference maker is on your side. And that what is impossible with you is possible with God. And so church, it's time to move. And, and the difference maker is with us, that God is with us. And that the battles that we face will have purpose because you will find, uh, through victory, you will find a newness in your walk with God. You really will. And so what you need to do is just take that step and say, God, I'm willing. I'm willing. Stick your toe in the Jordan River. Take a step of faith and see what God will begin to open up. Ways that weren't there before. Deep workings in your life that weren't there before, freedom in your life that wasn't there before, things that you're now able to leave behind, bitterness and fear that you weren't able to leave behind before, but you are now because God is doing something in your life as you simply respond to him. And church, let's be a church that knows what it is to see lives restored, that this would be, this would be our calling, that we would be known as those who repair walls that are broken, who see rubble in lives and think that's not impossible. God can do that. There can be good that comes from that. Why? Because God's done that in my life. And so church, let's, let's just respond this morning in prayer. And again, the altars are always open. If you feel like you want to come and just respond by kneeling and praying, then please come and do that. Feel, be free to do that. If you feel like you want to just stay in your seat and kneel there or, or just take time to worship, would you do that? But we're going to pray and then, Stephanie, why don't you lead us? So Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. Lord, I pray that you have been accurately represented today as the God of the impossible, the God that is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond what we can imagine or what we can dream up, the God that fills the gap in our lives. Lord, we look to you today. We thank you that you are the difference maker. And if you're calling us to step forward into our inheritance to greater places of intimacy and freedom with you, we're going to say yes. Give us the courage, Lord, to take a step of faith today. And maybe that step of faith is coming and spending time with you this morning at this altar. Maybe that's the, the biggest step for us. We've been afraid to do it and we've wanted to, but we're going to today. Maybe it's something you call us to this week. But Lord, I pray that it would be clear. And we honor you today. We confess our need of you, and we confess and declare your ability. You are the difference maker. I pray that you would forgive us in the times when we've tried to stick something else in the gap, whether it's our own effort or performance mentality or whether it's friends that we've we thought they're the answer, whatever it is, 
Would you forgive us for that? We turn ourselves, our hearts back to you today. You're the difference maker. You're the one that can do the, the impossible in our lives. And so do what you, would, what you would in us today. And we just rejoice in what you're going to do. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Would you take some time before you go just to respond? Come and pray if you'd like to spend time with the Lord around these altars. If you need prayer, come.